two games to cover today. We'll start with the home defeat to Oxford. Pete starts us off with the positives of two against Wigan, one against Oxford. I'll take that. One player that got some credit was Josh Lundstrom. James thought he looked like he was in his natural position and Adam Turner believes he was defensively solid, sound on the ball and with a good engine. Steve Bennett thought it was improved and crew deserved something. A feeling backed up by Tom Mayle, who believed crew were well worth a draw. Tim Robinson thought in isolation there was improvement there. Ben Benson says our scramble hits the bar, theirs goes in. Glenn Tagg thought defensively they did well, but there was nothing in the middle. Alex Wyman thought crew grew into the game, but then switched off for the goal. Tim Green believes it was much improved, but the result had an air of inevitability about it. Ant Copeland said, none scored, one conceded, no points is all that counts. Two people, Captain Britain and Roger Wakefield, both made the same point. The build-up play is so slow, every team looks quicker than crew. Mr B says better, but still terrible. Chris Mason says too little, too late. Red Alex says we're already down, but at least they felt passionate about the club on Tuesday night. Trevor Griffiths never thought we'd win, and we didn't. Some players were picked out. One was Ainley, who Keith thinks has had too many chances. Dan Whitehouse thinks Johnson looks scared of his own shadow. Phil Brown is worried about a double relegation, with Artel still in charge next season. We Are Crew backs that up and is worried the club may be facing oblivion in October next season. LDB, different week, same performance, Artel out. One person saying Artel recognised the formation wasn't working and switched up was Danny Phillips. Tom Billsborough is confused though. Why has Artel spent so long with 4-3-3 when 3-5-2 works so much better? On to Saturday's win then, and Aidan James says it's almost as if they'd heard a fan's forum was coming up. David Royal wants everyone to know Crew haven't lost since he's been in Spain. Unfortunately, he's back Wednesday. Jonathan Ditt says that result was what the last few games have been building up to. Liam F says credit where it's due, that performance gives him hope for next year. Stephen Dale has a rare reason to smile this season. Colin Higginson says Porter and Long look like a good partnership up top. This is something Ryan Hayward also likes, but adds we haven't seen enough of it this season. Graham Miles says the chance fell to the one you'd hope it would do. Happy away days. Another player picked out was Regan Griffiths. Steve Day thought he had a great performance. Dylan says the whole team were good, but picked out Lundstrom as he's come under some criticism. Gresty Rodender wants us to now get back-to-back wins. Andy didn't wear a crew shirt or watch Soccer Saturday, so that will have to continue now. Graham Hacking isn't sold though. Even a blind pig finds the odd truffle. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We are here to look back at the seventh straight defeat for Dave Artel's side before a successful 2-1 away win at Cheltenham on Saturday. We, as always, have our three people to talk about the games. Uh, they are Mark Bertels and Alex Arani. Hi, you guys. Hello. Hello, Stu. How you doing? All good, thank you. And making his second appearance on the pod is Tom Bailey. Hi, Tom. Welcome back. Hi, Stu. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Now, um, Tom, we'll start with you. Um, you made the trip up to Crew on Tuesday night to watch the game against Oxford. Just in case anyone's forgotten, remind us where that entails you travelling from. So I live near Falmouth in Cornwall. Um, so it's a good six-hour journey without a stop. Um, and obviously with the run of form we've been on recently, uh, it wasn't the, the greatest prospect when it, when it came to Tuesday setting out. But um, it was my son's birthday recently and uh, he hasn't seen crew win yet. So this was the ninth attempt and we thought we'd we'd go and give it a go. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, as we all know now. But, um, but yeah, it was a good six hours or so on the road. So did your son ask to go and watch crew for his birthday? <laughs> it was it was a nice surprise for him. Um, <laughs> uh, I took him to see Burnley Spurs the night afterwards as well. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a kind of road trip. But um but yeah, he he's still following the team. He, he used to support a Premier League team when he was younger until he saw the light. And uh, he's being rewarded well this season, isn't he? So, <laughs> uh, Alex, that makes your trip up from London fairly low key, I imagine. Yeah, I was about to say, saw the light. Well, it must have been particularly bleak that light. 
All right, Mark, let's talk about the game then. Uh, well, do you want to talk about the game or do you want to talk about formation? I think most uh, fans had something to say about the fact he'd stuck with 4-3-3 uh, before the game kicked off. What was your feeling on that? Uh, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, I, I almost got to the stage where I think he was putting a hand, his hand in a black velvet bag and, and pulling out names like that and then selecting this, a system. Um, my only concern... Uh, when I saw the team really was Regan Griffiths uh, in the middle um, with Luke Murphy on the bench. If I had, I'd been the manager, I think I'd have had that the other way around. But the rest of the team um, was much of a muchness, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was reasonably happy with 4-3-3 because obviously um, for the sake of talking like the season isn't over, we need to try and be more attacking and win games, um, even though we weren't with that formation. So, uh, at the start, yeah, I was happy with four-three-three. I think we somehow managed to look less attacking playing four-three-three. I um, think even, I know there's the we're putting more players in more advanced positions, and everyone thinks, oh, you're going to be more attacking, but actually, it doesn't seem to transpire that way, as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, you know, we don't want to jump too far ahead, but again, we had one shot on target. Um, so that speaks for itself. We weren't any more attacking. The manager in the week uh, leading up to it said that we would be. Um, and that wasn't reflected when the, uh, when the game started. In fact, uh, the way that Oxford started, I mean, we, we could have been, I don't know, three or four down within the first 20 minutes. It was frightening. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, the, the first 15-20 was not pretty at all, was it? It was it was constant. I mean, thankfully, they were kind of restricted largely to long-range shots. And for a team that scored a lot of goals this season, thankfully, they, they didn't have the shooting boots on um, during that period. Otherwise, as you say, Mark, we could have been, it, the game could have been gone in, in 15 minutes. Um, I, in terms of the formation, I think, yeah, in theory, we, we should have had more going forward, shouldn't we? But it just seemed to me whenever we would get towards that final third, the options just weren't, they weren't there. Um, and we'd get into some slightly decent positions after that first 15, 20 minutes, we came back into the game, but this, as you say, in terms of actual threat on goal, it, it didn't actually come. Irony is in that game, that actually I think we looked better um, when we switched to a three, so we sort of went back four to start with, then Wackway went off injured, then he went to sort of a back five for a period of time. He had Aji at left wing back. And that's when we looked our most threatening. And it didn't, that's sort of what we played in the second half. I thought we were the better side. So just better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We seem to, um, I don't know I, it, whether that was planned or not, or whether the injury forced his hand. I mean, what, what I mean is whether they practiced that. I'm sure that they have, but they just seem to click. Um, when we went with the three at the back, uh, and I, I suppose I enjoyed it. After that, we um, we did look a much more balanced side. So I, I would give Artel the the benefit of the doubt with the, with the formation change. I don't I, I don't think it was down to the injury. I think it I think it was tactical at half time. Uh, and I agree, we looked a lot lot better in that second half with that formation. Um, again, ultimately we did we didn't have a huge amount of, of good shots on goal, but. We looked a lot more solid at the back and going forward uh, with that formation. It made a big difference, I think. Just on that injury then, Mark, Uwakwe, um, and it looks like since Tuesday, you know, we've got the hindsight of the fact that we're recording this at the weekend. Um, it's come out that he's probably going to be out for a little while. We signed two wing backs in the uh, January transfer window. They're both now injured and we're back to square one. Does that sort of sum up how this season's gone for us? Yes. It's the season that keeps on giving, isn't it? It's um, uh, If something can go wrong this season, then it will. Uh, and, you know, for all the appalling performances that we've put in and some of the shocking results, you have to take into consideration we've had um, a terrible record this season with injuries and it's largely been down to bad luck. They've been, you know, it's not little tweaks and strains that they're being overtrained or undertrained. I think they are genuinely unlucky injuries that seem to sideline players for significant amounts of time. Um, and from that perspective, I really do feel for the manager. Alex, though, that does bring us to Josh Lundstrom uh, coming on and being moved out of what we were in the right wing back position. 
there was quite a few um, people online saying possibly the best performance he's had all season, certainly maybe since the Cheltenham game on the opening day. He was very good at right wing back. Um, I remember once being told as a kid, um, and it wasn't to me, but there was a lad who we had who played central midfield and someone said he's never going to make it as a central midfielder, but he could well make it as a right back because he's got a good engine. He can put his foot in, but he's not good enough on the ball to play in the middle of the park. Now, actually, if you think about that and apply that to a right back, get up and down the flank, win the ball. You don't have to use the ball as well as you do in central midfield. And it might well be Josh Lundstrom has sort of found his natural calling at right wing back. He looked very comfortable there. He did again Saturday. So, yeah, it might be that Josh Lundstrom has sort of stumbled on his position. I still think he needs to be a bit better on the ball when he gets it. But I think you can get away with that in a right wing back or right back role because a lot of the emphasis is on getting up and down the flank um, and making sure you're sort of not caught out of position and winning those one to one duels, which I think he's quite good at. It's interesting you say that, actually, and it's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I just thought that he'd had a break and he'd come back into the side sort of reinvigorated. Um, and that was as well as I've seen him play for a long time. And I thought that's not where he'll end up. But if he could transfer that kind of form into midfield, then we'll, uh, it'd be like a new signing. But actually, you might be right. Maybe that's um, that's a, a, where he will end up. That's, that's where he's more suited. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Is this yeah. not where he gets into the team right back? You know, we've got a loan signing from Arsenal. We've got Travis Johnson, who, I'll be honest, I don't think Dave Artell fancies him as a right back. He doesn't really seem to play him there very often. Johnson's place. I think Travis Johnson, I don't think he's a right back. I think actually his problem is, I think he's a very good right centre half. He's, he's played well in that role. And I think where he struggles at right back is actually he has a bit more, he's a bit more pressured when he gets on the ball. He's in a lot more one-to-one confrontations, which I don't think is his strength. I think when he's at right back, he can come across, read the game. Like yesterday, there was a few, he got across a couple of times really well and just cut out that ball. I think he's quite a natural in that position. Um, so it's sort of, we've stumbled on something there where actually the right back isn't good enough to be a right back, but the central midfielder isn't good enough to be a central midfielder, but can play right back. Um, so I don't think Artel fancies him right back. I don't particularly fancy him at right back. But I like him in that right centre-half role. I thought he was excellent again yesterday. And the Shrewsbury game, when he played there, he had a good game. So he's, he's got previous of playing quite well in that position. I was going to say as well, Alex, that you really like the fact that he will just fall down at any opportunity and get a free kick. Uh, he is... I mean, I know this is a family podcast, but Shithouse City is Trav Johnson. And I am absolutely all for it to the extent I was going on the crew website but I couldn't find it to see if he's got a sponsorship because I'm happy to put my hand in my pocket and sponsor him for the rest of the season. I absolutely love the kid. I'm so, waiting. Uh, the, the peak is when you fall down in your own box under no contact and grab the ball and win the free kick. Because if you get it wrong, it'll be a penalty. But that's that's the ultimate shithouse, which he's, he's not quite done that yet. That's that's the that's the peak for me. So are you suggesting, Alex, that we switch fullbacks for next season's Railway Men podcast uh, player sponsorship from Rio to Travis? Yes, that is what I am proposing. Early vote in then from Alex. All right, um, let's talk, Tom, about goals. Um, Do you want to talk about Oxford's goal or do you want to talk about the goal that Chris Long should have scored? I'll talk about Long, if that's all right, because I thought it was in from where where I was. Uh, I was up out my seat. Obviously, he was two yards out, um, swung his leg at it on the the half volley, smashed the bar about as hard as I've ever seen a a ball hit the bar. and it's again, it's it's just our season, isn't it? It's not gone in the back of the net. Um, after pinball in the box, and and at the other end, Oxford do get that that little bit of luck, maybe, or or is it luck? I don't know. But but yeah, it, it, you've got to score from there. Unfortunately, you you've got to hit the back of the net, and it, it was it was a real shame he didn't. And I think Dave Artel came out after the match and, and said. You know, we did enough to win the match. And I was a bit surprised to hear that. And I think his logic was, if that goal goes in, we've probably got enough behind us to, to see it out. Because clearly, as we've said, we didn't create enough other than that to, to win the match. But yeah, if that had gone in, you just don't know. Maybe things would have been very different. But but yeah, it was it was heartbreaking to see it kind of bounce down on the line and, and back out again. I had that conversation on the way out the ground with Tim, actually. Um, we said, if that goes in and we go 1-0 up, I think we win that 1-0. Um, because, you know, we, it was better 
and I know standards aren't particularly high this season, um, and we're clutching at straws sometimes to find positives. But over the, the course of the ninety minutes, it was it was better, and um, you know, Oxford are a, a good side. The the most disappointing thing was our threat um, of towards scoring. Uh, but as you pointed out in the second half, particularly when we went to that three at the back, we um, we we nullified any threat that they got. It was better, but I think you alluded to the point. The bar has been so low, it looks particularly difficult to go above that bar. And actually, I think we, we said it earlier, we got out the first 15 minutes unscathed, which has actually been the story of our season when we've, we haven't done that enough. We've, not, we've, we've had to weather storms. And if you can weather that early storm that we had, because they're looking at us going, Christ, we're playing crew, get an early goal here and we can have a hat fall. If we've just got enough nows about us to say, let's stay in the game for as long as possible. We did it against Wigan as well, where we kept in it. Ten more minutes, Wigan would have got itchy, I think, because it was, what, 57 minutes when they scored? You, you get to 70 minutes, you look up and it's still nil and you think, oh, God, you get a bit panicky, you get a bit, you start forcing the issue. Um, we haven't done that enough. I don't think, I think, I mean, what else do we have apart from that long chance? I mean, what was that one shot on target? I think someone someone was saying. It yeah, was, it was a save, I think, wasn't it, first half? Yeah, it was. It was Sambu, was it, from quite wide, I think. Yeah. Just, just hit it across the goal. But but yeah, it was, there was nothing where you think, other than the long, the long chance, where you think, well, we really should be scoring from there. I mean, from the main stand, I thought Long nearly bent one in. Uh, in injury time from the edge of the box but he just obviously didn't wrap his foot around it enough but that that was it uh, but, but there was you look at some of the other games we've had the Plymouth game for example where everyone down tools and I'm not necessarily going to blame the players to an extent because they're looking behind them thinking it doesn't matter what I do that fella that clown behind me in goal I could I could be the best player on the pitch here. as soon as the ball goes near him it's going to end up in our net um, so but, you are blaming some of the players on the pitch to an extent, but there was, you know, that was four one Accrington. They rolled over and died. They they haven't in the last in in the in the Oxford game. There was fight there. There was endeavour. There's a distinct lack of quality. But ultimately, that's that's the hand we've got. That's the quality player we've got at the moment available to us. But you can't fault them for effort. I mean, Artel was a bit OTT in my opinion. I was about to do two little abbreviations. I was going to go OTT IMO, but I, I settled there. Um, in terms of we could have won, we should have won the game. We shouldn't have, but I don't think a point would have would 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 have been unjust. I think they were the better side in the first. I think we were the better side in the second half. But yeah, I, I completely agree with that assessment, and I and I think it, that was the pleasing thing. And I, and I appreciate we're coming, as you say, we're coming from a low bar here. But to go on the run of losses we've had, and and to suffer another loss, but with with some actual dignity this time, and we and we've actually given. A very good, t- you know, decent team, a-, a good game, and yeah, it's disappointing we haven't created more actual chances. And I do think Dave was was over the top, as you say, in terms of saying we should have won the game. I think a point was absolutely fair. I think one thing with that interview afterwards, it, it, I know a lot of people have got opinions about Dave Artel and, and and whether he should be in the job or not now, but I don't think there can be any doubt watching that interview afterwards how much it's affecting him. You could see it's he's drained, you know, after that match, he's completely drained. He kind of almost couldn't believe that we'd gone another game actually fighting and, and, and come away with nothing. And I really felt for him in that moment, seeing that interview, to be honest with you, because um, it's clear how much he cares about the club. I think one of the um, one of the lines that fans like to trot out when we're, we're on a, a really bad run, any club, not just ours, is the manager's lost the dressing room. And <clears throat> for me, that that performance and Alex makes a good point you know whenever it goes one nil against you always think oh here we go this is going to end up three four five um and you're right the bar is low but that was a, a big positive that we didn't um we stayed in the game and I think it was evident I certainly for me it was anyway that uh, he hasn't lost the dressing room you know they were fighting for him and the shirt and the club um and trying to get a result I think that's a really good point the players are playing for the manager. I don't think you can argue they're not playing for him. I think Tuesday there was fight. I think against Wigan there was fight. Uh, we'll get onto we'll get onto the Cheltenham game in due course, but they're playing for the manager, which then asks the question: Is a new manager going to get more out of them? Yeah, probably. 
but is it going to make a material difference? No, because arguably they're not good enough. So that's why I think there's that leverage when people are going to sack the manager. I'm not saying don't sack the manager, just to be clear, I'm sort of getting splinters because I'm on the fence. Um, but I don't think they're not playing for him. Let's move on to that Cheltenham game then um, on Saturday. Now, I think there was, was it 220-odd in the away end on Saturday? And honestly, before the game, I made the point that I was reluctant to go and even grab the laptop from the other room. That's how sort of indifferent I was to watching an eighth defeat in a row. So fair play to every single person that did make the trip to Cheltenham on Saturday. Um, Mark, fast start to the game. Crew had chances. Cheltenham had chances. It looked like we could have gone behind right at the start. But luckily, the referee gave them uh, or gave us a free kick against them. And he seemed to get on the, the Cheltenham fans' backs and the manager all game, didn't he, the referee? Yes, he did. Um, what I do want to do, and I'm making sure I, I do do this, as someone that's been particularly critical of both goalkeepers um, this season and last, uh, Dave Richards, after 30 seconds, made a match-winning save um, because... It was a great save, first of all. Let's not let's not uh, pretend it wasn't. It was a fantastic save. And I really do feel that uh, if we go one down after 30 seconds, we don't go on and win that game. I think heads would drop and it'd be like, here we go again. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a, a massive moment and well, well played to him. Yeah, the referee did. Um, but they're, they're just a horrible, petulant, uh, niggly nasty side um, and quite how they they can get on a referee's back for anything is beyond me um, I, I'd, I'd hate to watch that every week and I'd hate to play against it every week It, it struck me that Cheltenham, I've seen crew play Cheltenham a few times in, in recent years and traditionally they, they dominate us physically um, and I think they were told to go out and do the same and I think they were expecting to, to, to push us over that didn't happen, thankfully. For once, we we were up for the fight and, and we gave a little bit back and they didn't seem to have an answer for that. And whenever we did give a little bit back, as you say, they were complaining to the referee and, it's, and you're kind of thinking, hang on a minute, you, you are one of the most physical sides we, we've come against and uh, that is a large part of your game. And, and fair play, you know, teams that do that do, do often bully us and, and we, we don't have an answer for it. But we we were more than a match for them in that department this time around and they just didn't seem to be able to, to get past that. Okay, let's move on to Crew's goal. Nice bit of link-up play between Big Chris and Little Chris. Mark, happy to see the two of them linking up well? Yeah, it's not the first time this season those two look like they could form a partnership. Um, it was, I think, last month maybe when, before Long got injured, they were, uh, they were both scoring and starting to look like something was developing. And again, it looked like that yesterday. Um, I don't think you can ever... That's why we've got Chris Porter still. You know, we won a lot of Eddies yesterday. He did really well. Uh, and it, it was a, a good knockdown. And then um, Chris Port, uh, Chris Long sorry, um, steered it in, into the far corner. It was a, a really good finish. Alex, as you know, I was watching on iFollow. Um, when the goal went in, I noticed someone I recognised in and amongst the, uh, the fans and the players down the front. Enjoy that one? Yeah, I did enjoy it. And then I think the realisation takes over that. As we've known previously, Mackle still spring into mind. When we score, we're likely to concede straight afterwards. So there was very much a let's just concentrate here and not get too high. But credit where it's due, Chris Long took it really well, actually, because it wasn't an easy finish. But he realised, actually, there's enough on the knockdown that I've just got to make sure I steer it in the right direction. And he did. And on Mark's point, I think where we've had our success this season is actually with Porter and Long up front. Porter, you know, occupies the centre-halves, wins those knockdowns, does the donkey work that allows Long to sort of feed off. And I think that's what Long needs alongside him. I think Long is a classic little man in a big man partnership and he struggles outside of that. So when he's sort of gone to, you know, the three up front and Long through the middle, I don't think he's half as effective because he wants to be off the shoulder. He doesn't want to be holding it up. He doesn't want his back to goal. He wants to be running in behind. Hence why Porter doing all that stuff, you know, makes Long, uh, it's Long at his most effective as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, th I thought they were both great up front yesterday. Porter, you know, <laughs> again, splits opinion uh, and clearly is, is not the player he was in certain respects. But in a game like that, he was absolutely vital, as you, as you say, you know, physical winning headers, 
um, and Long, yeah, was 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 causing them problems with his runs as well. And 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 yeah, it was a lovely first time finish for the goal, and just just brilliant to see the uh, kind of the performance rewarded with that goal early on, relatively early on, um, and give us a platform to build from. Yeah, I enjoyed the first half. You know, I thought that Crew had competed really well with this uh, this physical. Um, big Cheltenham side. Um, and then, Mark, halftime comes. You're like, right, okay, first five minutes, nice and simple. Let's not concede. Uh, we all know how that goes. Yeah, I think it, was, um, it wasn't great from Harper to start with in midfield. And then it's, it's just a, a, a... Hoof has been disrespectful to the play, but it's just a, a, a lofted ball forward that's then hooked on. Um, and the guy gets in behind. I think it was was it Conor O'Reardon that he, he got behind, um, yeah. and then nutmeg the keeper. Um, it was disappointing uh, because, you know, as we've touched on, I think um, Tuesday night it felt uh, at times like we were holding on um, and trying to stay in the game against a good side. And Regan Griffiths, for example, um, looked on Tuesday night that. Um, he was just he was clinging to the game. He was just trying to get through it. Whereas yesterday, I don't know if it was the um, the mentality. I, I like to think it was that the, uh, the manager can get some credit for preparing them mentally. Like what you were saying on before, uh, touching on before, they are a physical side, but we looked like we were prepared for that um, in terms of formation, personnel, and attitude. Um, and for me, that was one of the most pleasing things. And, and I was disappointed because we had managed to impose ourselves on the game and we were, we were taking the game to them. We were controlling the game. We were playing football. Um, and my fear is, as I've said already, when, whenever we can see the goal, you start to think, oh, this is going to go only one way. Um, and at that point, I'll be honest, I just thought, I can't see past the Cheltenham win now. Yeah, it was, it was the same for me. It was eerily reminiscent of Plymouth, wasn't it? it you know, to, to, to get in at half-time uh, and then come out and concede quite so early. You, that was the initial fear is, right, you need to step up now because otherwise, if, if if your heads are down, we're, abs- you know, we're done. Um, and thankfully, they got right back at it um, because it could have been completely different if, they, if the attitude hadn't been right after that goal went in. I think there's a lot of credit to go to the players for actually standing up and being counted after Cheltenham scored. But... If I was looking at this from a third party perspective, Cheltenham should have kicked on and they didn't really. It was almost as if they scored too soon. If they'd have scored in the 75th minute, they'd have realised only 15 minutes go here. We'll chuck held, you know, chuck everything at them. But they thought, well, we've got another 40 minutes here, there's plenty of time, we can sort of break them down. And they offered nothing until added time. And it was sort of the first minute of the game when they had that chance, and the last minute of the game when they had Richard's chance and the goal, that was it. We held them at arm's length. I said at half time, and and I stand by it full time. There was uh, lots of things that you haven't associated with us this season. It was dogged, and um, people were prepared to put a foot in and get in blocks and win headers and just do what people say. You know, the ugly side of the game, um, and we've perhaps not done well. I say perhaps we've definitely not done that at times this season. Um, and I, and I think it's you're right, Alex. But I think credit goes to Crew for that. Um, we really did do a. Um, a professional job on Cheltenham yesterday on you know on their own pitch yeah I, I think in that you know after, after the goal Porter went down with what I can only think was tactical cramp on about 88 minutes uh, after Cheltenham had just made an attacking substitution to give you know the management team time to just communicate what they wanted us to do to 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 counter that um, and that's another just a little example that maybe at other times in in the season, we've we've not been quite so canny. Um, so that was good to see as well. Another thing that uh, I think crew fans always love to see, because it doesn't happen very often, Mark, is a goal from a corner kick. Yeah, it was. it's about time. It was a good header. I just want to, to use the opportunity of talking about that goal to just further um, talk about Chris Porter. I mean, that's why he's on the pitch. That's why he got a contract. Um he was fantastic yesterday across the 90 minutes and he gets so much stick because of his age. Yes, he's not very fast anymore. Yes, he gets caught offside far too often. But as Tom's just said, he went down on purpose um, straight straight after their substitution, which is experience. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in the right place at the right time to score that header. That's not an accident. That's, um, that's experience. 
And, you know, it's not the easiest task in the world being up there in a two trying to win the flick-ons. You're getting smashed by a centre-half for most of the afternoon. It's hard work, but he did it, and he did it really well. And um, people aren't going to like me saying this, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Chris Porter playing in a cruise shirt again next season. I think he'll be in some form. I don't necessarily think he'll be in a playing capacity, if I'm honest. I think there, there comes a time when... Well, there comes a time, an emphasis on time at that age, where it just catches up with you. You know, I don't think there's anything against if you can get him on a cheap contract as a in a coaching capacity as well. Then let's absolutely look at look at doing something. I mean, what was it? Twenty seventeen, we signed him. You can't argue with the service we've had over five years. He's our he's our no. the only reliable penalty taker I can remember in my lifetime of supporting Crew Alexandra, and I remember a game at Huddersfield years ago where we missed three penalties in one game. Admittedly, one was retaken. Um, so he's he's always been there or thereabouts. I think he is a leader as well. I think he leads by example how he handles himself, how he does it. And I think it would be crazy to see that leave the club considering the influence he could have on those coming through and what he does. Yeah, completely agree with that. Completely agree. And and just to go back to the goal, uh, yeah, exactly. That, that's why he's there. It was It was... Really pleasing to see him get a goal uh, in that performance. Um, the defender from Cheltenham was dreadful, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll let's not worry about that. <laughs> we got the goal. I think it was our rear and got got a touch to it, and, and then and then Porter stoops in with the header back across the, the goal. And yeah, I, it was just so so pleasing to see that in, in a season that has had very few high points. Um, and again, I know we're still in a dreadful position at the bottom of the table, but just in that moment, that felt fantastic. Absolutely superb. Just on that, I want to make the point as well that um, the celebration said a lot to me as well, and I, and I enjoyed it because, you know, we're bottom of the league, and at that point, as far as the players concerned, it's sort of 10, 11, 12 points adrift. Um, but they celebrated that goal like it was, a you know, a, any goal at any stage of the season, like it mattered. All the players ran and celebrated together. And I think that goes back to what I was saying before in terms of they are playing for the manager, they are playing for the club. You know, it's a goal away at Cheltenham, which in the grand scheme of things, it breaks a, a horrible run of defeats. But in terms of lead table, doesn't do that much. But you wouldn't have thought that bad at the, um, the celebration. You know, there wasn't just a bit of a fist pump and a jog back to the centre circle to go again. It really looked like it meant something. And um, I was really, really pleased for the players yesterday because... You know, they haven't always this season got what they deserved. Lots of times they have, but um, yesterday they deserved to win that and it was good to see them celebrating together. I was going to mention the celebration because as much as I do like Chris Porter and as much as I do like seeing him score goals for Crew Alexandra, I do not want to see that bloody Cristiano Ronaldo celebration. However, I feel like I know that I'm in on the joke that he's 38, Ronaldo's 37. It's tongue-in-cheek. He's like, look, I'm doing it too. But I just don't want to see it. Just stop it. I think on the note of what we were saying in terms of, you know, the celebration, thing one, I didn't have a great view of it. I thought O'Reardon should have scored from the original header. It looked like he had a really good opportunity, uh, but it somehow ended up to the back stick. So I thought the chance had gone because <clears throat> we were at the other end of the ground. But... You know, when you're a league, we're a bit of a yo-yo club between League One and League Two. I think we'd acknowledge that. Should we potentially stabilise in League One? There's an argument for yes, but look, let's deal with facts. And supporting crew for me, it's not necessarily the destination, it's the ride. So when you have a day like yesterday, it's what you go to games for. You sort of battle it out, you get that result and you go home with a smile on your face. Are we going to League Two? Almost certainly. But you know what? At least we had a day like yesterday where all those fans that went there, they spent their hard-earned money, they went home with a smile on their face at five o'clock. And that's what football is about. You know, the only time I worry about the destination is if it's going to be the National League, then there's some concerns. But in the current guys, you know, enjoy the ride for what it was. The promotion season, it wasn't about getting promoted. It was those days we had during that season where we picked up some brilliant results. I mean, Oldham, when the place was rocking, I remember Walsall, we got that 2-1 win a couple of weeks before. Games like that is what you go for. You don't go for the, oh, we're in League One now. It's the ride you go on. So I'm just pleased that actually a lot of people who, who spend their time and money watching them sort of had something to celebrate yesterday, which was, which was nice to see. 
So that's probably a good place there, Alex, with a, a nice message to finish on what was Dave Artel's 100th win for Crew Alex as manager. Um, we're going to move on to the Wickham game next. Uh, but before that, there was one more game to look at this weekend. The women were finally back in action at home to Darwin. Okay, so I'm with uh, Lauren Cooper following a 6-1 victory against Darwin. Uh, first of all, on a personal note, glad to be back today? Yeah, very glad to be back. Been out five weeks after I fractured my ankle. Um, it was lovely to be back out there with the girls. Very different watching from the sidelines. Um, yeah, great to be back out there, 90 minutes under my belt. Uh, yeah, lovely. And uh, what about the girls as well? Because there's been a few weeks with, with no games with the weather. Do you feel like that's affected you guys in any way? Yeah, I think we've missed uh, three three games now. I think it's three with the weather, rain and, and waterlogged pitches and everything. So it was nice. I think everyone enjoyed being back out there. And obviously to get the winners is the most important thing. Um, but no, really good to be back out there. <coughs> and uh, a convincing scoreline, really. 6-1. How, how do you feel like the, the game went for you guys? I think, um, so we can see the very early first, probably 10 seconds, just, just a little error. Um, I think we bounced back really well. Um, got ourselves back into the game, obviously going behind that early, very easy to, to slip up and you know feel sorry for ourselves, but, but we didn't. We got back into it, um, yeah, got back into it and, and scored goals. I mean, we, we could have had more to be honest, but yeah, 6-1, convincing win. And uh, I believe it's Manchester Stingers or Cheadle Town Stingers? Yeah, Cheadle Town Stingers away next weekend. Um, again, another tough game in the league, but we'll prepare this week at training and try and get the three points next weekend as well. And uh, do, you take, do you take anything really from this week in preparation for the next game? I think, you know, everyone getting some minutes back under the belt, like I say, after the three weeks off is is kind of the main thing. Obviously, three points is, again, the main thing that we bring out of it. But work hard at training, bring some, you know, some things we've learnt from today, take them into next week, try and get the win there. OK, then, well, congratulations for today. It's great to see you back on the pitch and uh, good luck for next week. Thank you very much. Okay, so there is no Tuesday night game this week. It's just the Saturday visit of Wickham to Gresty Road, the Alexandra Stadium, Porridge Bowl, whatever you want to talk about. Um, and Mark, it's the start of a, a pretty tricky period. The next four games, we've got Wickham, Portsmouth, Sunderland and Wigan. We're going to need some points from somewhere if we're going to keep the, the good vibes going. Yeah, um, I mean, I didn't know until this morning, actually, that I had looked at uh, Wickham's form. I knew it wasn't great, but they're uh, a seven without a win. Um, my thoughts immediately switched back to the Gillingham game, thinking that we will put that right for them. Um, but I can't be the only Crew fan. I'm, I'm being honest here. I don't care. I'm a football fan, and and uh, it's the the optimism and the the hope that comes with it. You know, you do start to think. Well, if we could beat Wickham, the gap might be down to five points. And then five points, um, we're not completely out of it. I don't know why I do it to myself, to be honest. But, you know... Don't get carried. <laughs> should, we, should we be fearing playing Wickham at home on the back of seven straight... Well, I don't think it's seven straight defeats, but seven without a win for them. No, we shouldn't. And we're coming off the back of our first win in, in uh, eight. So it's a good opportunity to pick points up. You know... Um, David Artel saying, and Charles Grant actually, saying that nobody at the club has given up on staying up. Um, I think I probably have, but, of course, there's always that but. If we go there and, um, on Saturday and we, we've managed to beat them at home, then, I don't know, maybe we could start to dream again, but maybe not. I'm not doing it to myself. <laughs> we are the band-aid that any club wants when they're on a bad run of form. You look at a bad run of form and you pick any side you could play. And this is irrespective of this season. It is always Crew Alexandra. We seem to play sides who haven't won in donkeys games. And then all of a sudden, they roll up at Gresty Road. We give them a nice little tummy tickling and they go away with three points. We are absolutely primed for that and have been over the years. But you're right in what you're saying. They're in a bad run of form. They're playing Tuesday night. It could be another game where they don't get a result. Why can't we believe? And we owe Wickham. I mean, the last three games, we seem to have lost to them in the 95th minute on each occasion when we've played them. So I'm clinically fed up of them. So I'd absolutely love to get one over. A nice little last-minute winner, 
Gareth Ainsworth can get his air guitar out and do us a nice little concert at the end, and we can then take the three points. But just being a cynic, and sorry, after my positivity about the ride yesterday, um, it's sort of crashing back down to earth that we're exactly the fixture that Wickham would earmark. Yeah, just on that, what you just said there, Alex, I am emotionally scarred by Wickham. I think you and I both went two Tuesdays in a row. One was a 5-1 defeat, and then the other one was a 3-2 defeat when we were 2-1 up with minutes to go. And I learned then that I'd much rather be defeated 5-1 than 3-2 when you're 2-1 up with minutes to go. Uh, at least you've got some time to enjoy the gallows humour. And then obviously the, the away game this year, 97th minute. So I can't stand Wickham. I hope we beat them. I can't see it happening, but I really do. Um, Tom, they're eighth at the minute. Surely they're going to be looking for some sort of reaction to their current form and they're going to look at us and go, right, this is where we put it right. Definitely. That's exactly what they'll be doing. But you would hope after that performance yesterday that that we will be up for the fight. And, and yes, the vast majority of fans have accepted we're probably going down. But if you watch that, uh, Mark, I'm similar to you. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. I, I, I Realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. But you look at that live table yesterday. When we were 1-0 up, we were still 10 points behind. When it went to one all, we were 12 points behind. By the end of the game, we were eight points behind. I know it's still a massive mountain to climb. But as the team, as a motivator to say, you know, win this game against Wickham, and you never know. You don't. You, you never know. We could. We could go on a run. And yeah, we have got some very difficult games coming up. But Wickham, as we said, they're on seven without a win. They conceded five to Cheltenham a few weeks ago. Um, it, it, you know who we've just beaten. Um, why not? Why not? We. What I would like to see. I, I think I'm right in saying is we haven't named an unchanged unchanged side this season from game to game. I would like to see that eleven play again. And given. You know, being given faith and say you've done us a job, go out and do it again. I'd like us to stick with the formation again. I'm not, I'm not, I I'm not bothered about the personnel. I just think three five two is a way to go. I mean, Stuart is fed up with getting me on this pod for me to bang the three five two drum as I have done. I think probably after that Wickham game actually, when we lost two one at their place. Um, so if we end up with the round pegs in square holes, I'm I'm, I'm content with it because I just think we just look better in a three five two. We aren't going to come up against anything that's going to surprise us. I would think it'll be a very similar game to yesterday. It'll be physical. They'll try and bully us. Um, they'll be cynical. They'll leave uh, leave a foot in and they'll moan at the ref. Um, and to use Alex's uh, term, they'll, they'll, there'll be plenty of shithousery. i just like to see us stand up to it like we did yesterday. Um, stand firm. Don't allow ourselves to be bullied. We improved again yesterday. We had four shots on target and four shots off. You know, I think the manager would do well to not shoot on sight, but sort of have a policy where if there's an opportunity, then have a go. You know, you don't shoot, you don't score. We need goals. If we're going to win games, we need goals. I um, think I said, the last... Sorry, Mark, to cut you off there. I think the last thing Chris Long needs to be told is to shoot more. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Um, you know we're trying to be more attacking and more of a threat. So um, we're at home. Let's take the initiative. Let's work their keeper. Um, and you never know. You know, I said to you the last time I was on, if we're going to go out of this league, um, let's go out fighting um, with that mentality. If Wickham score two, then we'll try and score three um, and entertain the fans at the same time. That's what I'd like to see. There, there is an element of what you're saying about shoot on site. Over the Christmas New Year period, Luke Murphy banged one in from 25 yards at Morecambe. Tommy Lowry smashed one in from the edge of the box against Burton. And we sort of got away from, I'm not saying, oh, we're 20 yards from goal, shoot. But there is a time we're trying to create an opening that just isn't there to be created. So it's like, well, have a dig. Their goalkeeper might be as useless as ours, so it could go in. Like, why, why wouldn't, why, why don't we do that enough? But it's a story for another day. You just want, you're going to be in a battle next week. You just got to make sure we stand up to the barrage that we're going to get. We did at their place and we almost got caught trying to go up the other end and win it. Let's just, you know, if, if, the, if that was, I could do without the 97th minute winner. But if we performed like we did at their place where we stood up for the fight, I'd, I'd go home happy man again. Okay, I spoke to Alex, the Wickham fan, to get his perspective on the game coming up on Saturday. Mm -hmm. 
Hi, Alex. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem. So, Alex, we'll start with the game at Wickham back in October. For me, it was yet one more awful crew trip to Wickham, uh, a 97th minute winner for your guys. What was your reaction? What was the Wickham reaction to that game? Um, well, it just feels like we always get quite late um, goals against crew, really, doesn't it? Like to win the game, it feels like that's been. Yeah, um, definitely feels that um, way to me. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's been um, quite um, an occurrence down the years. Um, yeah, well, back then, I think that was the. We were scoring quite a few late goals at that stage of the season. It was just a sign of um, the togetherness and the spirit which was pumping around the club at the minute, which is quite ironic because that feels like that's nowhere to be seen right now. So it's um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a nice flashback looking back to that. But it looks as if um, the season could be petering out into quite a mediocre finish right now. Let's go on to that then. So um, it's been a bit of a horrid um, February for Wickham. I've got three draws, two defeats and no wins in the league. What's gone wrong? Yeah, it's been utterly dreadful, to be honest. Um, there have been, within those um, within those games, there's been a couple which um, we probably should have won. Like uh, the performances were definitely like, okay. There wasn't like, there wasn't like, there wasn't like we were getting battered in all of those games and we definitely should have beaten Shrewsbury and Lincoln on that. Um, and those, I think it's seven games without a win now. So on this little winless run, we probably should have won at least two. But it's um, it, it's quite hard to say what it is really. Like it feels like the the togetherness which you have, which we've always had under Ainsworth, really, especially in the last like six seven years, has just sort of like really just like fallen away. Like I think I don't know if there's been like internal words or anything within the club. Like I don't know if it's, um, there's been a falling out of any of the players or anything like that. But it's um it's just been we've been leading a couple of these games as well. Like against Accrington yesterday, we were um, one 0 up and two one up, and I I don't think anyone in that way and had the confidence that we're going to see it out either of those um positions, which often before in um, previous months I think we would generally be quite confident to be able to close a game out against um a team like that and be able to just hold on for the three points. So it's really it's really tough to see what's going on. I it's I, I don't think it's um necessarily poor tactics from the manager. I think quite often some of these games I Ains have set the team up quite well. I mean he's temp he's um what's the word? Um Tinkerman, yeah, he's um tampered with the formation and the um system uh, a few times to like try and like put um to spring surprises on position and really get um get um the, what what is set the team up to be the best possible way to win the match. So I don't necessarily think that's been an issue. And I wouldn't even say that the players' performance in the pitch have been that bad. Like it's just it's really, really like strange as to how like this win this run's come about. It's it's put a confidence thing perhaps. I mean, when you um when you're winning, like it's it's very it's um when, when you're winning, like winning's a habit and it's easier to um to be winning games and you've got a bit of form of momentum behind you. But but being able to turn around um uh, win this streak and often just take longer than you want it to, really. Is um is Gareth Ainsworth under any pressure uh, as manager of Wickham? Um, I would certainly hope not, but I cannot speak for um how those at the top feel about it. I mean, there's been a few handful of um Wickham fans sort of questioning whether Ainsworth still is the man. I definitely think he is, and I think you're incredibly ungrateful if you if you want him to go, like, where the club are now, like, we're disappointed to be tailing off a League One promotion race. Like, compare that to when he was keeping us up on goal difference in League Two. Is the the turnaround has generally been miraculous. It's all with a shoestring budget, and all um, pretty much off his own off his own back, getting it, um, free transfers in, and not really spending money on too many players until the last eighteen months, really. So it's been. The um the progress we've made under him is there for all to see, and I think you're. I, I just I really really hope that he's under no pressure. I think he deserves to leave off his own accord and should never ever be um, shown the exit by those above him at the club. Okay, moving on to the players. Then obviously there are still some very good players in this Wickham squad. Um, I've picked out Sully Kai Kai as a guy who always seems to sort of do a lot of damage against Crew. Is he the one to watch, or is there other players that we should be more wary of? Yeah, Kai Kai's definitely in great form at the minute. He's, I think this is he's been back in the team for three games now. Only when he went, even yeah, I knew he had, in the start of the season he had a couple of injuries and went to the Africa Cup of Nations. So not really seen the best of him until this um last handful of games. And he, I think he started the last three and he's been electric in all of them. Really, he's um two assists, two goals, I think it is in the four game, in the three games he started. So that's some um, four gold, four goal contributions in three games is 
is very good, like no matter what level you're at. So it's clear that he's a player. He's um definitely I'm not suffering from this lack of confidence, which may be going around the team at the minute. I mean, uh, Jason McCarthy had quite a good game yesterday from right wing back. Uh, <laughs> Sam Sam Votes is always a goal threat. I mean, he's he scored. He scored three in the last three as well. So you can see that he's played so much of his career um, at a higher level than League One. You can see what he brings to the team with his link-up play and his um, finishing ability. So it's it's not as if like we've not got players who can hurt him. We definitely do. It's just the, it's just a, like, I think it's a lack of confidence. I mean, hopefully that can be turned around starting on, starting on Tuesday. Last question for me um, is... When we last spoke, you know, the idea was Wickham would be challenging, if not successful, in uh, automatic promotion. It looked that way in January, you know, as though it possibly was going to be you, possibly Wigan, possibly Rotherham. Yeah, we were top of the league on the 15th of January, so that's, that's what the drop has been. You know, those two look like they pulled away, and Wickham have actually dropped out the playoff places now. Um, so what are you hoping? What's the realistic aim for how this season's going to end for you guys? Well, you, you've hit the nail on the head there, really. This, uh, when we last spoke, I was pretty hopeful we could get an automatic promotion spot. That's definitely gone now. Like that's, I don't think anyone's really got that on their radar within the club anymore. I think it's you just got to try and, by some miracle, be able to snatch a playoff spot. But on current form, it looks as if that's definitely going to be um, too much of a too much of a task. We've really, we've really got to... I feel like we've been saying that within the um, the fan base, excuse me, that um, it's been the ne- the next fixture has been the must win for the last six games. That's um, and we haven't won any of them, so that's just it feels just so um, just it feels like it's been so long since we won. So we really do need to get a victory asap and just stop this rot. But I would definitely take a playoff spot. Like I, I think everyone at Wickham would snap your hand off for a playoff spot right now. I think that's just got to be the target and, and if that's out of reach then so be it. it's number season league one next year and hopefully be able to kick on and have another promotion challenge next season okay alex uh just before you go what's the score going to be on saturday oh, put my neck on the line too no working okay alex thank you for your time cheers mate thank you Right, let's do some predictions then. Uh, last week, the three guys that came on, I were, quite frankly, they were nowhere near. Steve Hatton uh, was the closest to Oxford's 64th minute with his guess of 20 minutes. Russ, in his role as host, was slightly better with 32. Although he was, again, miles away with his 72nd minute guess for Saturday's 18th minute goal. So, guys, it shouldn't be too difficult to beat last week. Mark, you're just ahead of Alex in the table. Um, you're going to go first with the Wickham guess, please. Um, okay, I'll go for 16. Okay, Alex? I think it'll be a battle in the first half an hour and there'll be a goal just before half-time in the 35th minute. Not really just before half-term. But... Okay. And Tom, you, after your first appearance, you're solidly in mid-table in the league so far. So what have you got for Wickham? I'll take mid-table all day. Uh, I will go in the middle here as well. I'm going to reckon 22nd minute. Okay. Um, we should probably finish then with a little bit of chat about the fans forum. Um, it is a sellout, but I do think there's a suggestion that the numbers may have been reduced. Mark, you are convinced that crew paid Cheltenham yesterday just to make sure we didn't go into this on the back of eight straight defeats. Yeah, that was my theory. Yeah, it just, uh, it lessens the the... the... The, the mood for Thursday. Look, I just want to see, um, I want to see honesty from both sides. You know, I want all the questions that are banded around on social media. Um, I want to see them asked on, on Thursday night. And I want some honesty from the people that are sat at the table. Um, you know, complete transparency. I think that's the, the least we deserve after what's gone on. You know, if there's things that have been kept hush hush then I think Thursday's the time that they should be uh, should be let out of the bag you know um, the pressure's been in, on the manager now for, for quite a while and, and it's um, it's been intense pressure and if there's reasons that the season's been um, so poor uh, that we don't know about that might just buy a bit of leeway then it makes sense for the board or Artel himself to come out and say what they are uh, so yeah I, I just hope it's um I just hope it's the opportunity that the, the fans take to ask the uh, the questions that 
that they want to. Alex, you're not uh, expecting an evening of throw-ins and scoreboard chat this year. No, we should actually hopefully get some pertinent questions. And I think there's plenty of questions that need to be asked. Um, I think the question is, where do you start? Charles Grant has been, I mean, he came on the pod. He was very vocal when things were going well. We've had a couple of statements in recent weeks, but he sort of kept his head below the parapet when results have taken a slump. So it'll be interesting to see what he's got to say for himself. Obviously, Artella's manager has to front up every week. That, that comes with the territory. So it'll be an interesting dynamic between the two of them. Because actually, I think Charles Grant, my personal opinion is, is his statements um, and his interviews have been a bit self-preservationist, if that's a word. Uh, self-preservation is a word. I don't know if you can make it preservationist, but he's been preserving himself with his interviews. Um, and I think he's lining himself up to distance himself from Artel if he needs to. Um, so it'll be interesting to hold them both to account in the same room. And I hope that people take the opportunity to hold them to account and don't ask questions such as why are we, you know, we've got a scoreboard, why have we not got a scoreboard in the other corner now? Um, but let's let's see what comes of it. Um, well, we'll try and uh, watch it on YouTube um, and, and, and it'll be interesting to see the snippets we get. I think I'd, you know, you mentioned Charles Grant's statements there. One of the things mentioned was a couple of, I don't remember the exact wording, but, you know, two poor transfer windows. It's not clear from that written statement where, where he puts the blame for that. Um, and I'd really like to hear a proper dissection of, of what happened in the summer um, and and what the policy is going forward. Um, there's lots of things I'd like to hear, but that that is a particular area of interest for me because clearly, you know, the signings we made in the summer absolutely did not work out for various reasons, but it, it was, you know, it was... It was a real eye, eye opener to, to see that that many signings not work out, and I'd like to I'd like to understand the reasons why. Well, I think all crew fans are um, agreed and, and acknowledge that we go through cycles, and when we're at the bottom of the cycle, first of all, I think it's um, the planning was poor. The fact that we lost so many players in such a short space of time that that was poor from the management and the board that all the contracts run down at the same time. You know, Dario used to sell one a season, not five. Um, but then when we are at the bottom of the cycle, that's when recruitment becomes so key. And I want to know um, how that recruitment takes place. You know, who identifies players, who watches them, uh, who speaks to them, who recommends them, who decides whether we sign them or not. Um, because you're right, the last two winners have been, frankly, awful. Now, is that down to the manager or is that down to people around him? I think um, it, it needs some some honest answers. Is there not a question you're missing off the end there, Mark? How is it going to get better? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got, you know, the rumours that Zach Williams and Connor Salisbury haven't signed. So um, is that true? What are, what are we doing about that? Um, you know, the, the, there's, uh, there's an opportunity. Uh, to ask some difficult questions, but that's what it's for. Um, it'll make a, a, a pleasant change, I hope, to not be discussing throw-ins and scoreboards. I think the, the Salisbury and Williams point is a really interesting one because I think by all accounts, there's obviously a structure that you go through when you're a first-year scholar and you get your first pro deal, it's on X. When you go up, it sort of is incremental gains, as far as I'm aware. Well, actually, is that necessarily the way to go with your academy players? They're ultimately what's funding the business model. So surely you should pay them the money to represent the value that they could bring into the club later down the line, irrespective of all the, oh, but we brought you through the age groups, so we're paying you less money. You know, if they're your crown, your jewels in your crown, surely you, you spend more money to ensure you retain them. So when you sell them, you get more money for, for what, you've, what, you've, what, you've, what you've retained. Um, but yeah, I'm... I think there's plenty of questions. I think I think one thing I'd like to ask is we, we we appreciate as fans. Well, I appreciate as fans. I think you go on Twitter sometimes. Maybe the Twitter arty don't. The cycle we're a cyclical club. When we have a good batch of academy players, we go we fly. Saw it in 2012. Saw it in 2020. The low can't be as low as it is though, and that's what as fans we don't expect. So what are the club doing to address that? Look, we appreciate that we have a good batch and we do well, but when we don't have a good batch. What's the contingency model to ensure we don't slump as low as we do? 
And I think that really needs to be called out. Now, you made the point about Grady sold one a summer, we lost five last summer. I think a lot of that was out of our hands because I think if we were in normal times, 2020, we'd have lost some, we'd have lost one or two players when we got promoted. But because of the pandemic, clubs in the championship weren't spending money, they were tightening their belt, which actually meant we kept hold of players. At the time, it felt like, oh, this is a bonus, we kept hold of good players. But in hindsight, it was a hindrance because actually it meant we were reliant on players that we knew weren't going to be here and there was going to be a bigger turnover of staff. Um, I mean, there's obviously the Hoban and McDonald retirements, which didn't help, but there's still plenty of questions to be asked to ensure that how do we ensure the low isn't as low as it has been? Because 2016 was bad. This season's on track to be just as bad. It's it's not on. You know, you've got to do your due diligence to ensure that actually this doesn't happen at the level it is. Yeah, so that fans forum, if you're going, you're one of the lucky ones, you know, be interesting to see what questions are asked. If not, as Alex has already mentioned, um, it is going to be live streamed on YouTube. So do pay attention and give that a watch if you can Thursday night. Um, I think that will do us for today, though. So, Tom, Alex, Mark, thank you very much for coming back on today. Thanks a lot, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, cheers, Stu. Thank you, as ever, for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.